Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your guest host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. In today's episode, we're joined by Patrick Wilkins, Vice President of Operations at The Soul Publishing, an independent digital studio that produces entertaining, positive, and original content for a global audience. You may be familiar with some of their content from the YouTube Shorts platform, which includes the 5-Minute Crafts family, one of the highest viewed verticals on the site with billions of views. As an executive leader in the digital and entertainment industry, Patrick brings over 14 years of experience in managing teams, growing products, and building organizations. We've got Patrick here today to really take a closer look at teams pushing to return to the office and if that really makes sense for your organization. Patrick, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Josh, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. All right. It's great to have you on. We're excited to have you here. I really want to look at returning to the office and how that works for organizations, what really makes sense. But before we do that, I'd like to learn more about you, Patrick, and just if you could share some of your career path and what's led you to being the VP of operations at The Soul Publishing. Yeah, sure, of course. So about uh, myself, uh, father of two and uh, and a husband, um, originally from Germany. I've been, like you said, in your kind introduction, I've been working in, in digital in- entertainment for the last 14 plus years. I did uh, eight of those years in Asia and since uh, 2013, I'm in various countries in, in Europe and then most recently with the Soul Publishing here in Cyprus. Uh, I've actually been working uh, for uh, for many years inside the industry, leading product teams, you know, working on gaming content. Uh, so I've been actually in the trenches with multidisciplinary teams, releasing new games, and most recently uh, joined the Soul Publishing on their quest to become the biggest uh, independent powerhouse for digital and positive entertainment. And as VP operations here, yeah, I have a great opportunity to actually work on our long-term and short-term operational strategy. Um, I can work on the own and operated inventory. So our own websites, uh, the brand partnership team, uh, new markets like China, for example, uh, licensing, and uh, most recently mergers and acquisition. So now, Patrick, as you mentioned, you're based in Cyprus currently, and I would venture to guess the team is mainly, if not fully remote at this point with the sole publishing, correct? Uh, that's correct. Yes. So we have over 80% of our colleagues uh, in, uh, in remote locations. Um, they're spread over around 71 different countries. And um, we do have, again, our headquarter here in Cyprus. But yes, the majority of our colleagues are indeed remote. And now your team moved prior to the majority of groups who moved into a remote setting in March 2020. What really led to that move to going remote? I understand that predates even your time with The Soul. True, yes. But from your understanding, what was the big driver to going remote for The Soul Publishing? Yeah, it's a really good question. And indeed, uh, we did not just start to work remote uh, out of the necessity due to the corona pandemic. But, you know, around about five years ago, we actually decided to work predominantly remote. And it really helped us significantly uh, over the last couple of years, you know, none the least to hire a workforce in uh, everywhere, right? So we, we don't have to limit ourselves based on location, but we can simply get the best talent. Um, we also, again, are quite a creative company. Uh, we produce, like you said, not just for YouTube Shorts, but also for Snapchat and TikTok and Pinterest and every social media platform that you could think of. You know, we try to be there and we are there actually. Um, so these creative works that we're producing, uh, we see that remote work and giving people the opportunity to you know, work whenever and wherever they want. I think that's really important, this not just remote 
in terms of like you can work from you know uh, any location you want but you can also work any time you want i think that's another really important thing at least for the soul publishing right you're seeing an advantage there and that was something that really allowed your team to expand talent pool and really bring in an influx of really strong employees to continue moving forward so what we're seeing currently though as we're speaking today in may of 2022 Many teams are starting to look at their return back to the office and often pushing their employees to return back. Some may not be ready. Others may be looking for that opportunity to get back together and return to what was once normal prior to March 2020. So let me ask you this, Patrick. Are teams being too aggressive in prompting their teams to return to the office? Good, good question. You know, of course, every company is different. So I'm not going to say that, that somebody is doing it wrong. I can talk about how, um, you know, how we're doing it. When... I think about the reasons why some companies started to work remote because of the corona pandemic. And now the corona pandemic is hopefully coming to an end. Don't want to jinx it now. Um, you know, I do understand why, why some companies then ask their teams to come, uh, to come back. But I also have to say that the logic in the beginning might have been flawed, right? Like working remote is not just a band-aid over this catastrophe that happened, but it's actually a significant pillar of creating a great environment for your teams, you know, and, and producing awesome work in, in whatever field you are. So we as a company are not asking anybody back, of course. And on the contrary, we actually do see quite a few people in the interview process, for example, whose sometimes even first question is, you know, are you guys remote? Obviously, it's a big plus for us to say we've always been remote. We're not planning to change it at any time. And we do hear about some people that actually are leaving or want to leave or consider leaving their, their companies because they're now being forced you know, back into, um, back into an office environment. And that can't be in the interest of, of companies. So what do you think is driving companies, the ones that are coming out and saying, hey, we're coming back to the office, to want to make that return? I think... On the one hand, you know, some might have offices and, you know, don't know what to do with it otherwise uh, and can't get rid of the lease fast enough or can't sell the office fast enough. Sure. Um, I also do think that there might be something, you know, deeper where it might not be comfortable for some companies or for some managers to, you know, have the team work remote out of that maybe lack of trust that exists or the lack of, you know, transparency or the lack of, you know, clear defining an outcome that's desired from uh, from a particular group of people or from a particular team. That might be from a philosophical or psychological point of view, maybe one of one of the key drivers, right? You feel not in control when you don't see your team. And let's be fair, most managers have never been trained to manage a remote workforce, right? They've been trained on how to behave in meetings, you know, in personal meetings. They have been, you know, trained in conflict resolutions and, and the likes, but they have not necessarily been trained in managing remotely. And I hope that a lot of companies invested into exactly this skill uh, during the pandemic uh, and now can capitalize on it. And, and the companies that might have not done this are probably the companies that are now trying to get the people back into their uh, get, get back into the office. Right. That's a great point. I think we're also seeing just a inherent need to get back to normal or want to get back to what was perceived as normal for a lot of these organizations. But I think that we've also got this challenge of what is normal? We've been doing it for many teams, have been working remotely for the last two years. That could really be your new normal at this point. I certainly see a lot of these organizations maybe trying to get back to the old way of operating, but that may have passed. Yeah. I mean, the world is changing on a constant basis, and especially in an environment where we are in, right, like digital 
it might change a bit faster than in other environments. At least we like to think so. <laughs> and, um, you know, as a, as a result, uh, you know, people are adaptive. And I remember those conversations in the past when not, not with the soul, because it was, I wasn't at the soul at that point, but with other companies. And one of the main arguments was indeed productivity, right? Once we don't see the people anymore, you know, we can't control the outcome, you know, productivity will go down. And then the pandemic happened. And what, what we've seen, most of the companies that I know and most of the managers in, in companies, that they have been amazed on how much output and also results have been driven throughout the pandemic. And I also believe that not just managers have seen it, but also the, the people themselves have seen that they delivered, you know, the same amount of work, many even more, to a point where then companies at one point had to actually have management meetings and talk about, hey, how do we make sure that people don't burn out? How do we make sure that people are not working too much, right? How do we make sure that actually people's, you know, work is is managed to the point that they are not 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 overdoing it? And maybe my, my memory is not that good, but I can't remember, you know, like another discussion happening of this you know, magnitude during the time where people actually have been in the office, right? So I think that's another argument maybe for um, for remote work. Sure. And we're at this really interesting point where I think many teams like the idea of returning, but may find as they come back that maybe that wasn't the right move. Maybe it was not necessary and may walk back the aggressiveness to say, we're fully back in the office or we're back in the office three days a week. Maybe it becomes that, you know, we only really need to be in the office intentionally when it makes sense to have teams together. And otherwise, we can operate more efficiently or at least equally being remote and offering that flexibility, which it seems, again, a lot of the job market is now looking for. Yes. And, you know, when, again, the sole publishing headquarter here in Cyprus, I'm also based out of, out of Cyprus. So we do have a physical location here. I mentioned, you know, we have people in 71 different countries and obviously we do not have offices in every single one country. So, you know, for many of our colleagues, there's no immediate opportunity for them to actually return back to the office. And most importantly, they wouldn't want to because that's really what our culture is. But then even in, in our office, I do think people take advantage of this opportunity to come whenever they like to come. So for example, one of my teams, you know, agreed to come in, you know, a couple of times a week. So the team on themselves agreed on it, right? I didn't have to ask them to come back to the office. I wouldn't have asked them to come back to the office. So they agreed for themselves, you know, to come back on, I think it was Mondays and Fridays, and then the rest of the time, they're going to be wherever they like to be. I actually enjoy not being part of the conversation because for me, we have the tools in place to you know, track performance. We have the tools in place to enable people to actually do perform. I think that's even more important. And I know that they wouldn't work better just because they're in the office. So again, for me, it's up to them. And I do think that might be a nice bridge for, for some of those companies, right? If they have the ability to actually track performance, if they have the managers that have been trained to manage remote workers, to, you know, leave it up to the teams on, on how they want to be um, organizing themselves and then have an eye on the on the output and on the outcome uh, and I would be surprised if that would you know if that would be reduced because you know some parts of the, the the people stay remote yeah absolutely so being with the soul publishing who has clearly embraced remote work what do you see as some of the biggest misconceptions surrounding the remote work move that may be on the minds of a lot of organizations debating whether to come back and, and whether that's the right move yeah good good point I I do think we mentioned that before is this level of 
trust and you know people not in the office actually slacking off i think that that's probably the the main thing that over the years has prevented companies from starting as early as we did for example uh, i do believe companies again lacking the, the the tools to to facilitate efficient remote work obviously would have a hard time to 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 let people out of the office right i do think for us having this transparent approach and asynchronous work culture, you know, where it's not just about being remote and then having to schedule a call for a meeting, for example, but actually being able to get all the information that you want, you know, uh, uh, um, in, in an asynchronous environment from our project management software, you know, whether or not this is Asana or whether or not this is Confluence or, or other tools that we're using. I think that is, um, uh, again, that's important. And I think one of the, uh, one of the issues preventing it. Yeah, I mean, I think the asynchronicity piece is really interesting to look at. That's one that we've really learned over the last two years, employees and employers alike. You can still be productive while not necessarily working side by side with your coworkers. Your team can still be productive. Your employees can still be productive while working at their own schedules with some flexibility. How has asynchronous communication really helped drive the comfort with remote work? I think certainly technology has helped with that as well. But are you seeing really some advantages to asynchronous communication that's helped teams be more productive? Um, yes. And to give you an example, my manage a number of teams and, uh, you know, some are in America, uh, in, in New York and also in uh, Los Angeles and other teams are, you know, as far east as China. And uh, for me, you know, kind of like within Europe, being in the middle of it, Having a, you know, having sufficient time in one-on-ones and you know video calls to satisfy all the needs that those teams clearly still have, right? Remote is not resolving those ones, but um, you know the the need for information, for example, and, and the re, uh, the need to be integrated. I wouldn't be able to do that if, on the one hand, a I have a remote setup, but b I do not have an asynchronous work setup. So for me, the ability to manage uh, agendas and 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 teams and give directions and give support through a project management software that the entire company is using, that everybody agreed not just to use, but also everybody agreed on on how to use it and when to use it and, and how not to use it is incredibly helpful. And to be very fair, before I joined the Soul Publishing, I worked in games and of course Confluence existed and it was always you know being used in one shape or form. And I did not realize you know uh, the power of those bulletin boards, I don't want to do too much advertising for any kind of company here, but, you know, anything that has the same functionality of like writing an article and then making sure that everybody can actually contribute and interact with that article. Sure. And only really with uh, within this whole publishing where this was such an integral part of the culture that I couldn't avoid it, even if I wanted to, I, I realized, you know, I can actually write down a plan and an idea and, you know, exchange ideas with people. And then everybody can join in regardless of Again, location, regardless of, of seniority, it's, it's, it's a real transparent uh, approach, which is, again, super important to facilitate this, um, uh, this remote work. Well, and in thinking about the advantages of remote work, and you really touched on it there, I think remote work forces teams to be more intentional with their time, meetings, and also with the tools they're using to make sure that they are functional and serving a purpose. Gone are the days of setting up meetings where oftentimes you're meeting just to meet and there may be the update meeting has been cited previously with other podcast guests as being a real challenge for employee engagement. 
Now in the remote setting, you need to set up meetings that serve a purpose and get the most out of them in the designated 30 minutes to an hour you've set aside. Yes. Or you also need to have tools that accomplish everything you need them to. You're not just using necessarily the preset tools that you've been given and making them work. You can be more intentional with set meetings throughout the week and cut out some of the extra noise, some of the extra fluff that may have just been accepted previously. 100%. I, I, I do agree with this, uh, with this, with this statement. And to give to give an example, I mean, all of us one time, you know, have probably been sitting in a meeting where people actually use the meeting to read up on all the documents that they should have read before the meeting. And, you know, I can't generalize here, but, you know, rather than reading through the documents and preparing the questions and, you know, submitting them up front so that the questions can be discussed, how many times do people actually have to go through the presentation that everybody should have read in the first place? And that's such a massive, like, time sink. Um, that's one big part. And the other one is I had it a lot with our, uh, you know, creative teams and with our developers. And I know that myself as well, when I work really focused on, on whatever subject and then there is this meeting coming in, that is such a blow to productivity because it's not just killing the, the, the half an hour or the one hour that I have the meeting, but it also, you know, requires me, I'm, I'm not the fastest, right? So it requires me to, you know, get back into the topic, you know, half an hour, maybe like even an hour. And I, you know, to reach this, whatever you call, you know, peak efficiency on, on, on dealing with the task. So just imagine those meetings never happen because they're not necessary anymore. You'll be just so much more productive throughout the day because there are no interruptions anymore. And then you do not actually have to give up this exchange because this exchange, of course, can still happen. It just not happens synchronous anymore. It just happens so that you write down your ideas and your thoughts. And again, for the sole publishing, and not every company has to do it. For us, it works really well. We then also decided, since we're already publishing it, why not publish it for everybody? So there are no gates in a sense that everybody who would be interested in checking out my quarterly planning and this, the status of my quarterly plans can go into my Asana project. You know, there's no limitation that would work for our uh, C-level as well as for my colleagues in, on, on the VP land, everybody else as well. And also the, the Confluence pages, but contribute their own ideas, um, you know, and really have engaged conversations with, with an entire company and not just with, you know, maybe this one team because it's never really just one team, right? It's always... It, it, it's always impacting, you know, a, a larger group than, than the group you're usually communicating to if it is in a meeting or even in an email environment. Yeah, I mean, technology has really opened up the walls of the boardroom, right? There's no longer just whoever can fit in the meeting room gets the message. You're now finding that you can relay that message to a team that is as large as you want it to be. Look, one of the biggest challenges that you sometimes see with meetings, and we've all been there, you sit in a meeting and say, you know what, this could have been in an email or in a posting. Asynchronous communication provides that opportunity. Yes. And one thing I'd like to get across as well is for us as a company, asynchronous communication does not involve email. So for the last time, one and a half years that I've now been with the company, I've never sent one email. Well, I've sent two in the very beginning and then, you know, peer pressure made me change it. But, you know, uh, I haven't sent uh, uh, an email to a colleague within the company because, again, that goes that that might be asynchronous, but it still goes against our other principle, which is transparency. 
And, uh, you know, we want to make sure that everybody can actually participate in that in that conversation. Clearly, there are some exceptions, right? We're not discussing personal matters with, with, with people publicly, of course. We're not, you know, uh, discussing, you know, salary negotiations or any kind of other one-on-one conversations clearly are not, are not public. But again, everything else is. And I think that's another really important thing that people should consider when they're already thinking about remote work, when they're thinking about asynchronous work, that they also then do the next step and talking about transparency. Because the reward for this is that, you know, you have a much more engaged and a much more up-to-date organization. And I do think that goes back into, do I believe that people use that information and 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 use that trust that we are clearly giving them, right? And, and that they are giving us as well. Um, do they use it to the advantage of the company? And, and I think one of the big advantages of the pandemic, if you can say it this way, is actually that people were forced to work remote and as a result should have learned to trust each other because that's one of the things, you know, when you look at the performance of companies, the performance of digital companies, it was better than people thought it would be. And I really hope that, that people rem- remember this when, when they discuss internally whether or not they should go back to the office and have a really frank and honest conversation why they're actually asking the teams to come back. Yeah, and that has been the silver lining of the last two years is that so many teams were forced into a remote setting that otherwise may not have considered it and always thought it was not possible for their operation to keep running. We all learned we could do it. And a lot of teams learned that, you know what, it's actually either advantageous to our team or we didn't lose anything that it's worth considering going forward. This might be the best way for us to operate from here on out. So, and this goes back to the initial question that we let off with for those teams that are on the fence and thinking, do we return? Do we stay in our remote setting? What factors should those teams consider and be assessing before making that decision of how to return, be it remote, hybrid, or fully in office? And each team is different, and that's completely understood. Yes, and uh, you stopped me when I start becoming uh, repetitive in that regard. But again, once, one thing clearly is, you know, do we have the technology, uh, you know, set up to actually facilitate remote work? That's I think, is a really big uh, question. Another one that I probably should have mentioned first is, do the team actually want to come back, right, to the office, or does it not want to come back to the office? And, you know, what are the arguments that the teams are bringing in, you know, pro and con for it? And and there should be like a really frank uh, conversation about it, because I mentioned it earlier in the interview, people are really leaving companies because of it. And they um, ask, uh, again, we hired over a 1000 people last year. um, And we get this question over and over, are you a remote company? And and they are drilling down on it. Are you truly remote, right? Are you saying it? or Are you really remote? So people should uh, consider that same way, maybe that that the pool table was was expected, and and the fresh uh, fruit was expected, that the free water was expected, you know, uh, a couple of years ago. Now, I do think that that remote work is a differentiator for companies. So that, that certainly is something that that should be considered. Of course, also what, what kind of work, right? Is is remote really beneficial to, to the work, you know, that you're doing? Also, this whole publishing, we do have a couple of people that can't really do remote work because they're actors and actresses, you know, videographers and, and, and those colleagues of ours who actually need to be in a studio environment. But then on the other hand, you know, all the social media managers and the localization specialists, we localize to over 19 different languages, all of our content. You know, we obviously have social media manager quality insurance teams, you know, all over the world to make sure that that the content we're putting out has really high quality. Those people don't need to be in the office. And um, again, using the tools and us trusting them, um, I think is really important for the conversation, whether or not we actually, 
again, for us, it's a mute point because we would never have that conversation as a company, but uh, to have that conversation whether or not people should come back to the office. That's some great advice and insight there, Patrick. And thank you for that. And again, I think it goes without saying, Every team, every organization is different, but that really at least gives some good consideration to what's the right fit for your team. And I think that's what we'll see going forward is not all teams taking the same approach. Hybrid for one team may even look different from hybrid from another. Hybrid could be defined for one as coming into the office once a quarter. Two others, coming into the office multiple times a week may be the definition of hybrid. But for every team, I think they honestly need a good look in the mirror of what is best for us going forward for our team and for our brand. Also, to your point, that will dictate the type of talent that you bring in. That's a big thing to consider for a lot of these teams. The current talent pool now has a new set of expectations. Yes, and uh, just on that remark, um, one thing that our company is is trying to achieve is obviously that holistic approach to things. And therefore, you know, even our hiring, our managers are really focused on these you know, people with a with a digital agility, right? That that are that are fast and on their on their uh, so to speak on their feet, in order to actually you know follow the company with the pivots that we're doing. Again, I mentioned that we introduced project management uh, project management software in like three to six months. That the first team started finished it within three months. Some other teams needed a bit longer, six months. I think it would have been much harder for us to do the same thing if we wouldn't have been so cautious on whom to hire in the beginning and if we wouldn't have had such a clear definition of what our company is and, and what kind of colleagues we want to have. So that clearly is another recommendation to to people to, you know, when they're doing it, don't just do it for the buzzwords. Don't just do it to look good in a, you know, in a stakeholder presentation or, you know, at a, at a conference, but, you know, do it because you really believe in it. And if you believe in it, you know, then you should go all in and put it into, into service of the whole company. That is great advice. We're here with Patrick Wilkins, Vice President of Operations with the Soul Publishing. So Patrick, before we wrap here, I want to learn a bit more about you. We've talked so much about what's changed in the working world over the last two years, but what have you learned over the last two years that's made you a better leader overall? Yes, I learned a lot. Uh, I would have to try to find one or two points that uh, that maybe helped me the most, but maybe trying to make it relevant for uh, for the remote work. When I, or before I joined, you know, the soul publishing, a lot of my work and a lot of my management has also been, you know, in person. And, you know, I've been in those meetings and I have been one of the people that actually set up meetings in order to, you know, get alignment and try to, you know, convince people. And then when I joined the soul publishing the first time, you know, I made a presentation for, um, you know, for the, for the management. And uh, the question was, what, why you do a presentation, right? Why those fancy pictures? Why the, why the focus on the font, you know, just focus on the actual content, right? Focus on the data and, and focus on the message. Don't focus on the, on the nice packaging. And I spent a considerable time of my career to, you know, make it look nice and um, had a little bit of professional pride in, in, in being able to make it look nice. Um, so for me, there was a massive learning opportunity and, and a need to learn that when you do start asynchronous com communication, when you do not rely on, on video calls anymore, uh, but when you do rely on, on text only, all the charisma that you might have, all the you know, energy that you might have, everything is, is less efficient in those emails, right? And you have to focus on, on what really matters um, and make it concise from the get-go, so to speak, so that everybody... Again, for us as a company, um, everybody is reading uh, uh, that text so that everybody understands it. And um, yeah, that for me was a big learning opportunity. I'm still learning there. I'm still trying to be better. You know, I still get every now and then the question like, what's your point? Um, so, um, but yeah, that, that for me is an ongoing learning opportunity. 
That's great. Yeah, I mean, that's such a great opportunity to learn how to be very clear and intentional in everything you're presenting. And I'm certainly a visual person as well. But yeah, understanding that sometimes you need to simplify things to a very easy to digest model. But that's a great takeaway. Yes. And, you know, I, I couldn't talk my way out of a situation where I might not be, you know, that, that on top of things that there should have been. And uh, again, that's, that's, that's a sobering reminder of, you know, doing your, of doing your homework, you know, up front, because again, people do have time. They don't just have the rush of the meeting, you know, where they're actually halfway sitting on their laptop and doing things. They actually have time to read through it and they want to read through it, right? Otherwise they wouldn't have done it. Right. And obviously the level of questions that you get are like the level of questions that I get in the end of a meeting versus the, the, the questions I get in the end of a post are so different. And therefore, again, uh, my, my communication style has to, be, has to be different. One of the other points that, that I want to mention as well is, I think it was the second or the third article that I wrote for the company on, on, on a strategic topic uh, for, uh, for one of our teams. One team member that in no other scenario in the past kind of like would have, would have even been part of that meeting uh, you know, uh, for, for, for past companies, they wouldn't have, you know, they, they uh, again, they wouldn't have had the access to it, gave a comment. And when I first read it, like, to be really honest, my, my, my thought was like, who are you? Why are you asking me this question? You know, why, why do I have to answer you? And, and why is it relevant that you're not understanding what I'm saying? Because it's not really for you. And then I realized, no, it, it is for the person. Because it is, it's a public document that everybody has access to. And if everybody has access to, but I don't write it for everybody, then what's the point of having it in the first place, right? Yeah. I think there was a great moment to, to first realize, A, it's for everybody, but also for me to realize, isn't that amazing that somebody actually cares enough to read that text that I'm, the, the gibberish that I'm putting down there, and actually, you know, cares enough to, to be involved in the conversation. And um, yeah, that's, that's really the second part, right? Like once you are transparent, I'm always amazed on, on how much people care once they actually get access to the information and, and how much they actually use that to, to contribute to the greater goal of the company. Um, so that might be the two you know, biggest learning points that I had throughout the pandemic. Those are great takeaways. Absolutely. So in addition to what you've learned over the last two years, do you have any advice you could share with our audience of HR leaders that's helped you through your career and really helped you excel Everyone has that one or two pieces of advice that has really just helped them to lead to their success. So what's yours, Patrick? Yes. I mean, first of all, there's really so much to pick from because I've been super blessed to have, you know, amazing people mentoring me throughout my career and I wouldn't have had any success without them. And that's not just people that I reported to, but also peers, obviously team members. Though the, the most profound impact I would probably have to, to credit to my father when, when he told me really two things that, that helped me throughout my career, regardless of the industry and regardless of the, of the focus. One, it's in German, so I, I spare you this one, but, but it would be translated to, I think, um, you know, relationships only hurt people who don't have any. So really focus on the people around you and, you know, build, uh, build meaningful relationships that, that, uh, that help others. And another one that I that I really have in the back of my head, you know, repeatedly is, um, you know, focus on your priorities and know your desired outcome. Again, it's it's more general, but if you ask me about the the thing that helped me the most, is probably those two messages, and I try to try to stick to it. That's great advice, and thank you for sharing that, Patrick. Of course. Okay, so we're here again with Patrick Wilkins, Vice President of Operations at The Soul Publishing. Patrick, do you have anything you're excited about? Anything you want to plug that's going on with either the Soul Publishing or just in your personal life that you want to share with our audience? Well, with uh, with the Soul Publishing, obviously, I'm I'm super excited that we, uh, you know, release 
a number of new contents across really all social media platforms and, and focus on positive and uplifting content. And we definitely have seen this to resonate really well with the audience during the pandemic. Of course, we continue on the same note and, and really try to make people's life brighter over the next you know years to come and um, have the teams not just focus on video content, but also do editorial content. Now we started with music, we started 2D animations, we started 3D animations. We're really looking for as many touch points as possible with our audience. So that, that really you know, excites me tremendously to have the opportunity as VP operations to be to be part of that and to support the teams on, you know, on being successful. So I'm really looking forward to the next 2 billion subscribers that we are definitely, uh, definitely going for. And I do hope that we can reach it rather soon. That's exciting. We'll be pulling for you. So for our audience members that do want to learn more about the soul publishing and some of the many products that your team works on, where can they go? What's the best place to send them? Uh, so we obviously have our uh, have our company website uh, www.thesoul-publishing.com and um, I mean whenever they they go on on social media there's a chance that they actually know us um, you know as a company we might not be as you know as as well known as 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 we certainly want to be but when you when you look at our individual uh, products like Five Minute Crafts for example is the biggest. Um, brand so to speak it's it's the only brand that that exists in the top uh, 10 for for facebook and youtube so i would assume a lot of people might might know us already but they might not know that that this is all part of this whole publishing so whenever you 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 turn on your your mobile phone and you you see uplifting and um you know bright content i do hope that uh, that 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 we're part of that and and you can engage with us of course there and our website and my linkedin of course um feel free to reach out with with any questions you have Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Patrick. So, Patrick, one last item to go out on. You wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor. What is the first thing to get you motivated to start your day? Uh, making my bed. Okay. Probably. There you go. Which um, so many people say that is the, the perfect way <laughs> to start your day. Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that obviously on, on the practical side is, but, but it's really comforting, you know, to come home in the evening and, and you, your day might not have been the most productive one, but at least you come home to, you know, and, and you realize like, hey, you know, that's what I already did. And apart from this, you know, really to be part of, you know, of, of an amazing company that, that, that has a mission that I do think is meaningful, again, to, you know, spread positive content, you know, to as many people as possible all over the world, that, that is really, it's uplifting. And, you know, to see, my kids, you know, and, and the wife being together, obviously, in, in a new place like Cyprus, you know, and, and uh, the soul enabling this is immensely gratifying. So, yes. All right. Well, that's perfect. Look, Patrick Wilkins, thank you again for joining the HR Works podcast. It was great having you on. Thank you for giving your insight and advice on remote work and the things teams should be considering as they make that decision of, do we come back to the office? Do we not? What does our future look like? So, Patrick, again, thank you. And we hope to have you back soon. Josh, thank you very much for having me. It was a great pleasure. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.